0: I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformer. This is Optimus Primer Button,
1: leader of the auto part junkies. And I'm calling on all auto parts junkies to listen to nostalgic radio and cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. here on Tan Talk. This is Optimus Primer Button. If you don't tune in, it will be the end of the world.
2: Both from Sydney.
3: My name is Grace. Came from Calgary, Alberta.
0: I'm Cooper. I'm the husband of Grace.
3: I'm Andrea Donnelly.
2: John Donnelly. We're from Minnesota.
0: Uh, Lee Rawlings, Adelaide, Australia. Uh, I'm Claude Sanders, uh, Adelaide, Australia. Excited to be here at the Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca.
2: We entered a competition through the online website,
0: and uh, yeah, we won. We're lucky enough to win. Mm-hmm. Clive invited me. It was a bit hard for uh, he's got young children, for his uh, wife and kids to come. So uh, of course, I'm not going to turn down this trip.
3: I enter my email daily to the Mazda.com, and one day I just receive an email. So I'm going to come here, have three day watch the racing competition. Then I have three days for join the Ski Baba cross so I feel terrified.
2: As the Raceway is a famous racetrack, so it was really exciting, especially, um, uh, you know, be wanting to come and look at the corkscrew, the famous corkscrew. So, yeah, that's no yeah. problem. Why.
0: I was lucky so. enough to see a car lose control um, and almost hit the tyre pit.
3: to see the racing car see the driver because you always watch them on TV so you think that's easy you don't see they have so many different movements. but when you get into the car you know actually you are busy (laughs)
0: i trying to get the uh, M3, as a no, AX5. I'm a Mazda, a Mazda guy through and through, have been since the mid 90s. Yeah, the next car will probably be a Mazda 2. Not a Mazda 2, a Mazda as well. As well. Yeah, right. Yeah, I feel good. More gear change today. Three, seven, turn 6, that was your best run through here yet, so good
3: job. Yesterday I tried to quit the class, seriously. I tried to say, OK, I can ask
0: you. So many things going through your head, you know, you're trying to work on the gears, you're braking, flipping the accelerator. your foot half on the brake and half on the accelerator to bring the, the revs up, changing gear. That would be the biggest challenge for me. The technical visit on the is good. You Your The was good.
1: Yep. The entrance was good. Just get it done sooner and turn in the wheel with power and make sure you're looking
0: up the Ah, oh, it's pretty good. still a bit freaky going around Corkscrew where you can't see, you're going flat out. In the end it was good, but uh, a lot more to work on.
2: But there will be another two-day course we are planning like maybe next year because this year season
3: is over.
0: See, see, I got my financial director permission and had the budget to come in next year. voila.
2: fans. Peter Brock
1: here from BRE Racing and AeroVault Trailers. Listen to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the best automobile show in the
2: Hey listeners, welcome! You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. We got a fun-filled show this evening. We got a, a couple of cool songs. We got some movie clips. We got—actually, uh, we don't have any movie clips tonight. We have uh, what do we have? We have we have part, uh, commercial clips coming out a little bit later. Okay. And of course, uh, my son Bobby's uh, man in the board right now. Aren't you, Bobby? How you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, so you got some uh, kind of funny little sound effects in store for us again? Because I know that's your specialty. They're coming. You'll never know when, but yeah. they're coming. <laughs> okay. Well, my son is uh, got a pretty good handle on this uh, this uh, board thing over here, which I'm still learning. You know, it's funny how these kids. You know, they they always used to say, if you want to learn something about computers, ask a ten year old. Well, he's been kind of working at it pretty seriously. So now here he is, just turned seventeen, and he's. Uh, He's running the board here so i'm pretty impressed i'm i'm pleased and uh, in fact uh, <laughs> thanks artie uh he is uh his goal in is he's also involved in stage management theater management uh set design audio video all kinds of cool stuff and and lighting and stuff and his goal is to be the next george lucas so with a little luck some tenacity some hard work perseverance and uh Support from his loving, caring mom and dad. He should be the next George Lucas someday. So maybe he'll come out with some really cool movies like American Graffiti and Star Wars and things like that. So that's good, 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 good. Anyway, boy, we got a lot of stuff going on yesterday. Well, let me go into the calendar of events. Or maybe I should say run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com and you can see us live here in the studio. I forgot that, right, Bobby? Uh, Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. And don't forget to check out our website, Gulfstream be sure to like us on Facebook. We have Gulfstream Motorsports, and we have Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And usually in Nostalgic Radio and Cars, it's always uh, radio show related, and Gulfstream Motorsports is just some cool stuff. And uh, I haven't really uploaded anything. Typically on weekends, you know, I drive around and go to car shows. If I don't go to car shows, which are typically not happening a lot here in the summertime in Florida, because it's nice and hot and humid and balmy and, you know, whatever, and, uh, but I do hit garage sales, and I do have a tendency to kind of cruise the alleys and neighborhoods. I say that big talk's where and doodly squat. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I did find some interesting stuff over the weekend. Unfortunately, in Florida, it's not like the good old days where you could just walk on somebody's property for... A little bit and take a look at uh, what they got laying in their backyard you got to be uh, real cautious these days so i found i spotted some areas where some really cool old buildings were possibly some barns so i'm going to uh make an effort to get over there and see what they got laying in their backyards but typically when i drive around i really find some oddball stuff and if you go to our facebook page gulfstream motorsports you'll see i'm like a couple weeks ago i was driving around there was a 57 chevy cameo it's actually been sitting there for a while it's in some guy's carport And sitting on a chassis, no motor, no tranny, no cab, just a bed. Some really cool American Torque Thrust racing wheels on it. Looks good. And, uh, in fact, the caption underneath it says, nice wheels. Um, I was also browsing around in some guy's backyard at South Triumph Spitfire. Called my buddy Scott because he's in the spits. And uh, he went over there promptly and tried to make a deal with the guy, but the guy wouldn't sell it. Then in my travels, I ran across... uh, I do run across some cute little animals every once in a while. You know, like, I think if you go to our website, you'll see maybe some dogs uh, once in a while, maybe a cat. But more recently, I've run across some farm animals, like a goat, um, which was in a guy's backyard. So, I mean, he's got kind of the best of both worlds. He's got a, a goat that actually protects his backyard and uh, uh, and eats the grass. So he's got a built-in lawnmower as well as an uh, alarm system there. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> and the other day, I was uh, over in Thanona, Sassa, and I was cruising around over there. Oops, I gave away one of my... Uh, stomping grounds. But anyway, and I came up to this four-way intersection and I looked over and behind the fence was this cute little donkey like an Eeyore and he's just sitting and going, Eeyore, Eeyore.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it was so funny and I actually parked my truck at the stoplight and the guy you behind me cracker. <laughs> and the guy behind him, everybody got out of the cars and they were all taking pictures because I was standing there taking pictures so I got to upload the picture of the donkey because he was kind of cute. And uh, I think one time I saw a little goat, it was sitting in uh, in a little pan, like it was just where his food was, where his feed was. And uh, But anyway. <laughs> but car-wise, uh, let's see, what else did I run across here recently? A nice little old MGBGT, kind of a cool old car. And it's sitting in a lady's front yard, and it's just kind of neglected, you know. You're despicable. <laughs> but that's the topic of, uh, one of the topics of tonight's show, actually a short one here. And what it is, is a lot of times, you know, you find these cars, what are we going to buy? You know, because like Monterey is in two weeks, okay? And the caption reads, Battle of the Billionaires. So all the Porsches, all the Mercedes, all the Jags, all the Heelys, all the Ferraris, all the really cool stuff that most of us can identify with, even Corvettes, even Shelbys, you know, even Cudas. A lot of that stuff is just, it's all hitting the stratosphere, you know? Uh, Never mind, you know, the Hispano Suezas, the Duesenbergs, the Rolls, the Delahays, the Horse, the Mybox, and and cool stuff like that, and Bugatti's and stuff. Those are unattainable anyway. But when you have a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, an opening bid is 50 mil. Hmm mind-boggling. Now, Meekum's, there's a number of auctions there. You've got uh, Gooding, which is really good friends of mine and nice and very cordial, okay? And probably the most professionally run auction out of all of them, I will have to say, in terms of integrity and everything like that. And they got an amazing selection of cars. Okay, so Gooding's probably number one on my list. Russo, you know, Drew is a good friend of mine. I like Drew real well. I go to Bonham's. Um, I don't know anybody in particular there, but Bonham's has an amazing selection of cars. A lot of Ferraris. In fact, that's the mainstay of the cars. The 300 SLs, the Ferrari Ferraris, you know, those, there's going to be a ton of those cars, and that's generally where those cars will show up, because it's it's the Monterey Peninsula. It's the, the best of the best, and uh, that's where all the money seems to be. So it's the auction <laughs> to go to. Uh, you've got Mecham's. Mecham's going to have around 750 cars there, and he's got a ton of Ferraris and, and Ford GT40s and Mercedes S300 SLs and cars of that nature. But Russo... And meekums is going to have more or less the cars that the average Joe, like you or I, can afford. You know, they're going to have the muscle cars. They're going to have the Camaros. They're going to have the Mustangs. They're going to have the little MGVs. They're going to have the Spitfires. You know, the the stuff that's still, you know, $15,000, $30,000 price range, which makes some sort of economic sense, and you can have a really cool cars and still have a lot of fun and still enjoy it, you know. So that's what's important. And uh, hey, Bobby, have you keyed up a little uh, song for us? You got anything cool you want to play? We got a, to... <laughs> a paying customer. Just a paying customer. You got anything on the turntable you might want to throw in here? I'm going to let you pick a song tonight because since you're running the board, you can come up with something really groovy, something '60s, '70s. What Naturally, the Doors. The Doors. Oh yeah. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We got a little Doors. Bobby, what's the name of that song? Roadhouse Blues. Roadhouse Blues. Since I was out cruising the streets looking at roadhouses, here we go, Roadhouse Blues. Hey, you nostalgic video cars, don't go away, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
1: Author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver Adam Carolla telling you I love nostalgic radio and cars.
2: Or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Love
0: them barbecue, ribs and chew. Set the way back
3: machine. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Cammie Edelbrock, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
2: Yes, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and thank you, Cammie. That is a beautiful sound, I should say, because that's just music to my ears. As a matter of fact, Speaking of Cammie, if you go to our website, Gulfstream there's a picture of Laguna Seca, and on the cover there, which is my all-time favorite racetrack, okay, besides Sonoma Raceway, which is Sears Point, which is in Sonoma County, but uh, Laguna Seca, if you look at the, the cover there on my website, Gulfstream Motorsports.com, there's a picture, it's Laguna Seca, and turn two, and there's a blue 65 Shelby, or 66 Shelby, and there's a white Shelby, and I think there might be uh Smoky Unix Camaro in the picture. Well, that happens to be Vic Edelbrock, Christy Edelbrock, and Nostalgia car sweetheart kim middlebrook she's in the blue 66 shelby and her car sounds just like that it is really really cool hey let me tell you what i did yesterday yesterday they had a little thing in tampa and it was called the uh audi God, i can't imp- i always have trouble with that word how's that word go bobby when it's uh, automatic self-driving what do they call that Autonomation, autonomy, autonomy, autonomy ta- da 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 da, something like that. But anyway, it's the self-driving car, so the Audi deal. And they closed off the uh, the Selman Expressway, and Governor Rick Scott was there. A whole bunch of people from media, uh, in general, were there, newspapers, uh, TV stations, radio stations, and so on. And uh, we all kind of hung around. We got to watch uh, Rick Scott take off in the Audi. And you know what? I got to tell you, the A7 is really, really, really a cool car. They've, they've done their homework on that car. Unfortunately, it's a $100,000 car, but... It's a neat piece. But anyway, so what they did is they had this uh, self-driving car. And the reason that it was done here in Tampa is because Florida is one of three states that have certain regulations, certain laws in place that allow manufacturers to test self-driving cars. Okay, Now, it's not like it's going 80 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. You can curl up in the back seat. No, this is basically initially designed to kind of work like in uh, heavy traffic conditions where the car goes down to like 40 miles an hour or less. And the car, basically, you engage it like a cruise control. Just say, show me the car facts. <laughs> Not quite. But anyways, it's, uh, you hit the button, and then basically yeah. it it, uh, it goes into self-driving mode. Now, what they did is they had it staged. So they had uh, FHP was up there on the Selman Expressway. It was all blocked off. So there was no traffic. But it was kind of cool. And uh, so we were kind of, since, you know, all the priority people got to go riding around in the car first, we were kind of like in the, in the last group of people, but we did nonetheless get to ride in the car. And I was pretty impressed with it. It's kind of an e concept. It's a little kind of weird, but uh, basically the, uh, the, it's something that's been in development for quite some time. Audi's probably got, uh, I'm not going to say they're the pioneers, but they got a good head start on it. In fact, they're teaming up with a, uh with a, a software company in California, in the Bay Area, you know, Silicon Valley, basically. And uh, so they've done a really good job. And quite frankly, they said that realistically, a car with this equipment could be in production within the next three to five years. The problem is, the regulations and all the stuff that needs to be done in terms of in- infrastructure Uh, are not there yet, not in place. So there are some roads and there are some states that have the stuff in the works, but it's not to that point yet. But it was kind of neat. Basically, the way it works, it works of a combination of things. You've got laser, you've got cameras, you've got uh, radar. They use the term sonar. I don't know where sonar would come into play there. But basically, so what the car does is it has the ability to sense where you are and your surroundings. So like, for example, the lines, the, the stripes along the side of the road, the lane stripes, they can't keep you, they, it, it works off those. So it doesn't go left, doesn't go right. And then if you're familiar with the collision avoidance system that they have in many cars, um, it, it it works very similar to that. So it was kind of neat. We will talk about this a little bit more. I think we got a song queued up because we're gonna have to get to our guests here in a few seconds because for some strange reason, time flies when you're having fun and I've been gabbing too much and uh, we're running behind schedule here. But anyway, we got a cool song queued up and since we were on the Excelman Expressway yesterday, let's fire up a little Jimi Hendrix and Crosstown. Right, Bobby? Hey, you're tuned in to the You're not funny. <laughs> and you hurt my feelings again. Anyway, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio with Cars. Don't go away, we'll be right back with our guest.
0: You tell me it's alright.
1: The art of speeding is his profession and challenges are a way of life, but this was the toughest one of all Morton and the Dotson team were rookies in the trans-american challenge series This was a grueling ten-race coast-to-coast dogfight manufacturer versus manufacturer featuring the superstars of small sedan racing Teams from Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Volvo, BMW, and Datsun fought for a title defended by Alfa Romeo. For each team, the series was a brutal exercise in preparation, logistics, and driving skill. For John Morton and Datsun, was an attempt to make the transition from showroom to victory lane in a single season against all odds. Against All Odds is brought to you by the small car experts. Over 900 Datsun dealers across the country who invite you to drive a Datsun, then decide. Bob Bondurant. I won the World
0: Magnificat Championship in the Ford Cobras in 1965. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio
2: and Cars. Okay, we're back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and yes, thanks Mr. Bob Bondurant. Super amazing driver. Hey guys, you know, you hear me talking about racetracks all the time and vintage races, and you know I'm a big proponent of it, plus I'm an ex-vintage racer myself. And my two favorite tracks, I know, I'm partial to California because that's my home state, is Sears Point, a.k.a. Sonoma Raceway, and Laguna Seca, now Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. Well, guess what? This evening, I have an amazing guest, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show the president and CEO of Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, a vintage racer herself. Please welcome Jill Campbell. Jill, are you there?
3: I certainly am, and thank you for having me on the show.
2: Jill, I love your British accent.
3: Thanks. I appreciate it. I love your American
2: one. Okay, super. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, Laguna Seca. You got an upcoming event here in the next uh, well, wow, two, three weeks now, right? So, uh, and give us a little background yeah. about yourself.
3: Sure. Um, well, you did get one thing slightly incorrect. I I don't race. Oh, you don't? I don't like to look at them. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I am. Um, I get my adrenaline rushed from being on the starting grid when when these fantastic machines get going. But you would not want me behind a steering wheel. It would be extremely uh, scary. <laughs> well, tell but us- you're right. We have we have the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion coming up here um, pretty quickly, actually. And uh, this is for many people, you know, who knew it as the Monterey Historic Automobile Races. Um, We took over ownership about five years ago. And vintage racing is in my DNA. My my brothers actually, older brothers, raced with uh, the likes of Sterling Moss and, you know, Um, Colin Chapman, etc. So I've been watching these cars since I was a little tiny tyke. And uh, so it's always been thrilling to me. This is my passion, my love, and uh, and I actually get to work with them. So it's an awesome experience.
2: Tell us a little bit about uh, your background. How did you get involved in, uh, I mean, in the racing uh, as far as track management aspect of it? Well, it's a good question. It was a very circuitous
3: route. I grew up in England. Uh, I was a school teacher. I moved to the United States and became a restaurant manager. And somehow along the way, um, I got involved in public relations and and, uh, large events. And in 1988, went to work for a company that was promoting IndyCar races. And uh, I took over the Portland Historic Races in 1991 from Steve Earle. And... um, as they say, the rest is history. I've been here at Mazda Racer Laguna Seca uh, for, this is my 13th season. So um, I'm now an old hat at this, you know.
2: Wow. Okay. So now you mentioned, and, and you corrected me, I, I I presumed you were a vintage racer, but it's great that you ah, really enjoy. How about if I say you're a vintage race car enthusiast? That's more appropriate, there right?
3: There we go. That's perfect. Okay. Absolutely perfect.
2: So. Of the old cars, what kind of stuff? And and you said your brothers raced. What type of cars did they race? And this would have been probably back in what the sixties then, right? Yeah,
3: uh, yeah, late fifties, early sixties, and they were racing Formula Juniors back then and um, MGs, you name it. Uh, but you know what I? It's I have to tell you that my real favorite is kind of like. A 1932 Bugatti. I think those, you know, machines were absolutely amazing. How heavy they were, and how well they were driven, and how fast they went. But you put a race car in front of me, and I'll fall in love with it anyway.
2: Well, you're my kind of girl. You're a car enthusiast. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, now tell us a little bit about the Portland Historics and how that came about. And then could you give us some comparisons between the racetrack and Richard Earl? Didn't he, he was involved? He was like the pioneer of the Monterey Historics, wasn't he?
3: Uh, absolutely, yes okay. i mean you know, the the Godfather of, of vintage racing and and portland you know very in fact what is um, unique about Portland it is located in a city park, Mazda Raceway, Laguna seca is located in a county park. And so, you know, there ends the similarity, but it, it was pretty good while it lasted. Portland w- was was great. Back in the day, it had, you know, professional racing with IMSA, IndyCar, and the likes. And unfortunately, now it's become more of a club track. So when I moved... Um, here to Mazda Raceway, unfortunately, I had to sell um, my events that I had in Portland because this is quite um, all-consuming at this facility. And uh, being, you know, I had worked with Steve Earle on on the Monterey Historics for about eight to ten years prior to my coming here. So um, the the history going back at this facility with the cars, with the drivers um, has been going on for a long time.
2: Do you have any favorites besides the Bugatti? Something that's a little bit more contemporary.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you that this year my favorite is uh, Maserati, because we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of Maserati. Okay. Um, And and we'll be seeing a tremendous display um, that commemorates both their heritage and their, their new cars, which um, uh, the Ghibli is, is a great car. It's, um, it, it's very, very cool, and, and I think it can appeal to almost anybody. Um, you know, new cars, uh, I drive a, um, an MX-5. I have to tell you, it's like wearing an old pair of slippers. That thing fits me like a glove, um, and it's perfect for the, uh, the hills around here in Monterey.
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because at the very beginning of the show, I played a little clip, and the Mazda uh, Sports Car Club is fairly active. And and mm-hmm. I got to tell you, it's you know what it is. It's reminiscent of the original Lotus Elan. The Mazda RX yes. uh, MX Five is the Miata, basically.
3: It is. We actually have a Miata event here in September, where we're um, going to have the largest gathering of Miatas in the record books. We're going to have over 1,600 Miatas from from all ages. And and then Mazda will be launching their new MX-5. So uh, a great uh, weekend for Mazda at that point.
2: Give us a little history on uh, Laguna Seca. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the track.
3: Well, it is uh, what many people don't realize is that it is run by a nonprofit organization. The sports car racing um, of the Monterey Peninsula was originally a group of businessmen who got together 57 years ago. And after the tragedy at the Pebble Beach sports car races, decided that it was necessary to have um, a built, A purpose-built racetrack. So um, they did a deal with the army and uh, Laguna Seca racetrack was born. Interesting factoids are um, when it was built, it was built according to the topography around here. And the blueprints were actually drawn up after the work was done. And um, the world-famous corkscrew was an accident. And uh, the construction boss turned to the bulldozer driver and said, I'm going to lunch. Get down this hill any way you can. The pavers will follow you, hence the corkscrew. And it is one of the most iconic turns in all of motorsport. Um, it's like jumping out of a six-story window. Uh, it is com- y- you would never be able to repeat it today because the camber is all wrong. Um, it-, it is quite the technical turn. And people who win at Master Raceway love this track. People who don't win have other ideas about it. I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I I have never raced at that track, but I have ridden the course, and the corkscrew is is iconic. It's it is the the corkscrew makes Laguna Seca what it is. It There's does no question.
3: Ab- absolutely. You know, when Valentino Rossi with MotoGP first came here, he hated it, and he spent an entire uh, winter on Xbox doing you know. Um, uh, the gaming thing. And next time he came back, he won, got off his motorcycle at the corkscrew and knelt down and kissed the corkscrew. So, uh, you know, it does live in the hearts of many people.
2: Now, has the track changed much since its inception in, uh, when was it, late 50s, right?
3: Yes, it, it, it has. And originally, it was kind of like a, um, a hilly, um, I'm not going to say an oval, but it, it Didn't have as many turns. And then in the uh, early 80s, um, the Mario Andretti hairpin was created to slow car is down, actually. We have uh, turn six, which at that time I think was turn four, something like that. Um, we, we have, uh, at the end, it goes into a canyon and a gentleman by the name of Ed Leslie um, missed the turn and, and ended up in the canyon and nobody know, knew he'd gone. And Fortunately, he climbed out of his car and had to walk all the way back to Pit Lane and that was the first anybody realized that he'd actually gone off the track. So, we fondly um, name uh Leslie's Leap and uh, actually presented you know, unfortunately on his deathbed, presented him with a certificate to that effect. So um, Leslie's Leap was a, a little bit dangerous. Um, cars were going too fast up the hill. So the Andretti hairpin was created to add some length to the track and also to create a little bit more of an interesting um, track and to slow cars down. But that's really the last, you know, um, we are adamant that we will not, change the, the ribbon of the track. We have certainly extended runoff areas um, from safety standpoint. Um, we've created gravel beds, which most people hate, but it, it does provide that additional safety because anymore, um, that's our priority.
2: The track's what? It's like three and a half miles or three miles? It,
3: 2.238. Okay,
2: 2.238. Okay. If you're
3: measuring correctly, yes. <laughs>
2: okay.
3: Yeah. It, it is, it, It's you know, it's a fast track. It's, um, you know, a lot of people say there aren't too many opportunities for passing, but I haven't seen many people held up on that end of things. They usually find somewhere to pass.
2: Geez, right the straightaway. I mean, coming off the last turn, mm-hmm. right across the pit row there, I mean, and before the first, uh, let's see, turn three, I guess it would be, right? I mean. Yes. That, Okay. Well now, tell us about some of the other events that take place there, because it's a very, very popular racetrack. And very, you it, have a you have a full schedule there. I mean, a heavy schedule. Yes,
3: we do. Uh, and again, an interesting um, fact is that we are now in in um, the late seventies. It became property of Monterey County Parks because the Army gave it up, and um, Scrant being a nonprofit organization, it could not take ownership of um, federal land, so it had to be deeded to a federal or a government. Agency, which um, ended up being Monterey County Park. So we actually exist in a park, and um, we have a concession agreement with Monterey County to operate five major events a year. But we're also, um, on behalf of the county, we are the agent of record for all track rentals. The track is utilized actually 364 days out of the year. I give everybody a day off at Christmas and um we have everything from car clubs to uh photo shoots to new car launches um to you know uh race week club race weekends scca weekends um et cetera. so it, it we are incredibly busy um, and the sound of uh, cars running around here every day is sweet to my ears.
2: Super. Well, now, let me ask you this now you do uh, there's a track running out for uh, for testing facilities to for manufacturers yes. and race teams, okay.
3: Absolutely. I have six new car launches this year here. So it, it is a great facility. You know, number one, I have to tell you that were this track anywhere else, it probably would not be as famous as it is. But Monterey Peninsula, it's, I live in paradise. If you've never been to Monterey, it's beautiful. It has everything from ocean to um, to mountains, to a lot of outdoor activities. Big Sur is thirty minutes away. Um, it, it is a fantastic area. So you know, location, location, location.
2: Absolutely. Well, now let me ask you this: You mentioned something about you know a lot of the events and a lot of the racing and a lot of the um, the noise that comes out of there. Is that a, and, and now that it belongs, it's got kind of some local government control or you know ownership. Is there ever <clears throat> the fear, the risk that they may shut the track down for whatever environmental reasons. Is that ever a concern of yours, or is everybody cool I, with that?
3: I, I think that, you know, every track owner or operator um, is always concerned. You know, any more, there are very few tracks that are out in the middle of nowhere and not affecting anybody. Um, we have a housing division. De- development high-end housing development right next door to us that actually in their deeds they have to sign off that they know they're buying a house right next door to a racetrack um i have an organization called the highway 68 coalition that i call them cavemen they're citizens against virtually everything um (laughs) but They complain about the noise, they complain about the traffic, they complain if I put flags out on Highway 68 because they flutter too much. So there, there are, are a group of people certainly that um, are are not um, as thrilled about the music of motorsports as we are. But nonetheless, we do our very best to accommodate you know, our neighbors. We are limited um, to, again, one of the reasons we only have five events a year, we're limited to uh, those five events being unlimited sound days. We have some testing days also and promotional days that we're able to have unlimited sound. But beyond that, it's graded from you know, a 90-decibel uh, limit to um, a few days at 105, um, but sound or noise, as some people call it, is uh, is is definitely always a concern for a track operator. I mean, we're fortunate that our five events: we have the Tudor Sports Car Championship, Ferrari Challenge. We've got the SCCA National Runoffs coming up, um, the the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, of course, World Superbike. Our mission statement is to bring world-class motorsports events to this uh, facility, so we are very selective in in what we bring that makes, you know, unlimited sound.
2: Well, I would imagine, too, that, uh, you know, it brings a, an, a pretty healthy local economic impact to the area, too.
3: Totally. Our economic impact per year is about $200 million. And for an area like the Mon- Monterey County, we don't have um, any industry of, of um, sorts. We rely very much on tourism. We rely on agriculture. Salinas, which is our, our neighboring area, is the salad bowl of the world, and... Um, so those are our two major industries and uh they're pretty much you know god driven if it rains they're you know everybody um you know is panicking we don't get much rain here but nonetheless so having um a facility like Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca where you have major industries coming to play like Mazda like Red Bull or Yamaha, uh, our major sponsors that come into the area, spend money on a year-round basis, not just for singular events, it is a major impact for this area.
2: The Monterey Historics, which is taking place here in a couple of weeks, does that have an, – and it's probably one of the most popular vintage events, I think, in the country – would you say that that has probably the biggest impact economically in the Monterey Peninsula? With all the other you know activities is, going on.
3: You know what is interesting is that I would probably say no. I would really? say that per capita, the motorcycle fans spend more money than the reunion fans do. Even though the um, income level <laughs> for reunion fans is higher, um, motorcycle fans spend a lot more money. Really? Um, Yeah, which is is very interesting to me. And, you know, we do an event survey for every event, and um, it it, it always, you know, puts me away. Certainly, our reunion event is um, one of the largest attended, you know, events. Um, But also because, you know, I would say that that week in Monterey has the most impact because there are so many other events. You've got the Pebble Beach Concours. You have... um, uh, the quail event. You have, you know, Legends of the Autobahn, all the auctions. There's a lot going on in town during that week. So overall, I would say motorsports that week um, and classic cars have the most impact on this area. But from our singular events, I would have to say that the motorcycle fans are um, are the most gracious in spending their money.
2: Give us an idea of the attendance. You mentioned that. So let's say, for example, at a motorcycle event versus, let's say, like a major racing event and the Mont- Monterey Historics Give us an idea of how many people actually show up.
3: for For example, for the Tudor Sports Car Championship, we are at about forty to forty five thousand people. For World Superbike, about the same 40, um, 40,000 people. I think we had uh, we announced forty nine thousand. I, I think there were a few squirrels that were included in that number, huh. but nonetheless, it's around that forty ish. Um, for the the reunion, we're about. Depending on the mark of the year, we can be anywhere between fifty and sixty thousand, and um, you know, then something like the Ferrari Challenge, we're about twenty thousand people. So you know, overall, um, the average is, is probably between you know thirty forty thousand people per event.
2: That's super. Now, let me ask you another question on the uh, the twelfth, okay? And downtown Carmel, the opening kickoff event is the Concourse on the Ave. Doug Friedman's. Uh um, right. party, so to speak. And what's amazing about that is that they actually drive the race cars, I talk about this on the show all the time, that they drive the race cars from Laguna Seca to downtown uh, Carmel. Give us an idea how right. that came about, and how many miles is that? Well,
3: okay, let me back you up a little bit, though, okay. because on the previous Friday, um, which we have an event called the pre-reunion, which is the weekend before the reunion, okay. and we have about 300 race cars. It's kind of a low-key weekend, and it's an opportunity for many of our participants to shake their cars down, etc., before the big weekend. On that Friday night, we take about 35 race cars down town monterey and do a car show down there then um i think we're taking 24 cars on the tuesday to carmel um we have chp escort that takes them everywhere and uh it's it's fantastic because these guys never get to drive their cars on real streets um uh General public never get to see race cars if they're not race fans and they're not coming out to the racetrack. So it's a great opportunity um, to really put a car – I always used to say – Worked for a long time for the American Le Mans series in promotions, and I always used to say I wanted to put a prototype in everybody's lap. And this is the opportunity that we have to put, you know, a vintage race car right in front of people who may never ever have that experience any other way. It's a wonderful, wonderful time.
2: That's super. That is really good. Well, give us an idea now. Let's say I'm standing at the gates there at Monterey, and what's really cool. Uh, where the racetrack is you can drive down 68 you don't even see it because just like you said you're up mm. over the hill in a basin right. totally shrouded so yep. what's how much does the gate cost to get into the event for the let's say the three day or four day weekend
3: um I give give me a minute there and I'll uh, pull up those prices <laughs> <laughs> off the top of my head um, but you know you're you're absolute you're absolutely right you know one of the things about um, Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. If you've never been up the hill and come over the brink of the hill, uh, it, it is amazing to see this facility. It's it, it's pretty spectacular. Okay, so, um, a two-day a two pass, that would be Saturday and Sunday, that includes uh, groundstand, it includes the paddock, so that you can get up close and personal with all the cars, is $110 for those two days. Uh, three days is 130 and um, but, you know, single, single days, um, you can uh, come in for $50 on a Friday, um, let me see, um, and I think it goes up to uh, $75 for the, um, excuse me, $80 on, on Saturday. Saturday is the big day. That's really, you know, the, the focal point of the weekend. I will tell you that this is the cheapest event you will go to the entire Um, classic car week, and we try to keep our prices reasonable so that, you know, Families can um, can enjoy the weekend as as well as uh, you know intense car enthusiasts. But if you go to our website to masterraceway.com dot com, gives you all of the information for um, access, how to get here, the fastest way. You can camp here. Um, you know, find a, a. I was going to say a reasonably priced hotel room. <laughs> I'm not, I I think that's uh, probably um, not entirely possible during Classic Car Week, but we're. It will help you along the way there, so that it's not such a, a sticker shock.
2: Well, we got a minute or two now. You mentioned camping. You mean I could actually pull up there and I can camp on the grounds?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. We uh, we are sold out of of hookup RVs, but yeah, we have general camping available, and uh, it's a great. Honestly, it's awesome because the viewing is great. Um, you're right here on site. You're you know ten minutes from the nearest uh, grocery store, so it, it's, um, it's tremendous. The, the racetrack itself, you feel as if you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're seriously 15 minutes from Pebble Beach, from Carmel, from all of the local areas, and um, it, it's, it's very accessible.
2: Well, we got about uh, 20 seconds left. Are you going to be able to participate in any of the other functions going on there? Are you going to be at Pebble Beach? Are you going to be at any of the auctions or anything like that? Or there Legends of the Autobots? Unfortunately,
3: I, yeah, I don't, I don't get to, to Pebble because I have to work, but I will be at the Quail for lunch. Okay. That's my escape.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, Bonham's Auction's going on there, too, I think, that at the Quail, right? It
3: is indeed, yes, and you'll, we'll have the Ferrari GTO here on display for the pre-reunion the week before um, the uh, Rolex Monterey Motorsports reunion and that is going to be, they claim, the highest um, sale of a GTO Ferrari ever known. So come see it while you can.
2: I think the opening bid is 50000000 million, isn't it?
3: It is. How about yep. that? Uh, I know I, that it boggles my mind, but I was always told you can only do six hundred thousand dollars worth of damage to a, a five million dollar car. Or so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jill, I want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes and sharing with us uh, some stories about uh, and and the whole Monterey thing. Uh, the Monterey Historics is priceless. Real quickly, how many cars? How many vintage cars are going to be there? Do you know offhand? Priceless. 550 That's... Where else can you go in the world to see some of the most amazing, most fantastic, vintage, historic race cars on the planet outside of Monterey? Truthfully, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is... This really is the granddaddy of all
2: vintage races. Super. All right, well, with a little luck, I'll be out there in a couple weeks. If I do, I will definitely be in touch. Again, Jill, I want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes to share with us about Monterey. My guest this evening was Jill Campbell, CEO and President of Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. Hey, guys, I want you guys to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. Be sure and visit our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. Don't forget, if you missed any of our past shows, check out our podcast. Podcast, Nostalgic Radium Cars. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radium Cars, Gulfstream Motorsports. Gosh, go to our events page. There's some really cool stuff going on. Don't forget all the auctions. Guess what? Makeups is going to be on TV. Now they've got their own, I guess it's a reality show coming up. In the meantime, I want to thank all my guests for tuning in to Nostalgic Radium Cars. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family.
1: Telling tales out of school, but there's a fella and they'll pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.